This week, we look at the director without which there would have been none of this. This. What mission? What are you talking about? I've just about had enough of you. Or this. We gaze longingly at the most anticipated pint of lager in the history of film, and we blow up a French ship with a kayak. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Yes, welcome to Sunshine Radio, broadcasting from St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. We will be your one-stop shop for movie nostalgia tonight on They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Essentially, we're going to talk about old movies made pre-1980s. We're going to talk about great films from great eras with big stars and double bills and all that lovely, lovely stuff. And with me in the studio today are Sean. Oh yeah. And Sharon. Hello. And unfortunately, Joe cannot be with us this week, so unfortunately, we shall be having no quiz tonight. I know, uh, uh, I know, I can just hear the coll- collective groan from everybody listening to this right now. But Joe, hope you, uh, well, we hope you're back in here soon, man. We need you. We need you. We're going to have all these spaces of nothing going on where the quiz is supposed to be. <laughs> and also joining us this evening will be island resident and current hospital guest, David Butler. So, what, is he I, in Alveston? <laughs> he yeah, he is in Alveston. Yeah, our favorite ward. <laughs> he is in Alveston, a pet ward. It's like uh, until until all the other wards be, start behaving themselves, they will not be getting our attention. Alveston shall be getting it until they beg us to leave, which which honestly might not be that far away. But <laughs> anyway, uh, so um, how have you guys been doing? Oh yeah yeah yeah, pretty good really, pretty good. Um, still. Uh... Still, my, my, my dad's he, he went back in hospital. That's over in Bournemouth. So, oh, yeah. I mean, if it does, it does get way online, which I, I spoke to the hospital in Bournemouth, hopefully um, he'll listen to this sometime okay, online. Yeah. Um, so, but, he, you know, he's okay. So, and apart from that, what have I seen? seen have I seen much in the way of films? We it's, went to see The Salvation. We went to see The Salvation. Yeah, we did. Oh, the wow. Salvation. Good Western. I want to see that. Good, good Western. I heard it's yeah. a really good one. Yeah. It was really good. It's old yeah. school. But yeah, I thought it was really good. Really well done. We we, we really enjoyed it, yeah, didn't we? Excellent yeah, excellent cinematography yeah. and just visually really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh. it was quite a different slant as yeah, well. Yeah, the colour palette, I thought, yeah. was, the palette was particularly really grabbed me. I thought <laughs> it was just the night shoots because yeah, normally yeah. it's just like black and this was like navy blue. Navy blue, yeah. And these shades of blue, it just it was lovely to look yeah, at. It was. It was a really, really, really good film. Worth, well, worth a lot. And we're, we're sort of Western we're aficionados, Western so anyway. oh, yeah. we, did, we did enjoy that. I've, I've heard that it's a bit of a throwback to Sergio Leone and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it had that feel about it. It did, it did oh. indeed. And I saw The Water Diviner, obviously oh, topical. Oh, I saw The Water Diviner as well. Because it's Gallipoli this week, it's the anniversary, That's maybe. Right. Is it? And obviously it features about Gallipoli in The Water Diviner. Okay. With That's, Russell Crowe. I thought that was a really, really good film. Except for the last bit where like, you get a, a shot of Russell Crowe, obviously really, really likes himself. He directed it as well. He directed he? it as well, he did. I thought he did a good job on it, actually. The battle scenes were very impressive, I they, thought. They were, and it was nice to see a bit from the, the Turkish side yeah, as well. Yeah, because really, it was a more balanced yeah, approach yeah, to more the balanced battle. Approach to battle. It. Yeah, and, and on, the, uh, on the less deep, uh, on the less deep um, end of the spectrum, I have been to see The Duff and Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, I saw the Duff. What's The Duff? Is it worth watching? I think it was 
right, to I did be think Breakfast about Club, it. but it isn't quite. Right. But it, 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 is it, it's is it fun. entertaining, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm 30 years older than the target audience, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a fun film. Oh, I might have to check it then if it's still on And there. Age of Ultron, that's on my list. I've seen that this weekend. Yeah, yeah you, you need to go see that. Okay, David, uh, I know you said you are going to be listening, and I know we promised you a, f- a show about old movies. So, <laughs> so we're going to get rid of all this stuff now. I just wanted to find out what these guys have been watching recently. We haven't seen each other in a while. Wow. Well, before last night, but then... <laughs> like a day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't seen each other in about a day. All right. Um, so what usually happens is that on the show, we choose a film. We kick off by choosing a film that we say, this is a bona fide classic. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't, but we think this is something that everybody should have put down and said, okay, before I die, I've seen this film. And Sean, you get to choose our first choice today. So which film have you chosen? Okay, the film I've chosen is Kagamusha. Um, it's a Japanese film, so um, and, it, and it's subtitled. So um, some people, some people don't like subtitles. Personally, I'm mm-hmm. I'm okay with them. I mean, I, I don't like, know about I you guys. I don't mind subtitles. How about you, Tozen? Do you know subtitles? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a good film. I watched it. Yeah. Thing. yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. It's good. It doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Well, this was this was a film directed by Kurosawa, Akira Kurosawa, who. Seven Samurai. I'm sure most people would have heard of the movie. Seven well, yeah, Samurai. It's, it's kind of like as we said in the intro. He's 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 actually a very influential. Oh, incredibly. He, sound, he's, yeah. he's an incredibly influential director that I think many people don't know about, mainly because well, he's Japanese. Japanese. Yeah. And mo- almost all his films were in Japanese, in black and white, and so. And it was, and he made the films at a time when there wasn't like a lot of Japanese imports coming into the West. Yeah. But people. So, but he he well. He influenced George Lucas for Star Wars. He influenced um, he influenced uh, Steven Spielberg, Spielberg for things like mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and all that kind of stuff. So the Magnificent Seven, which is usually seen as one of the greatest westerns, of it, is actually just a remake of a film he already made. Like yeah. Seven, Samurai. Seven, Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, he's a very, very influential, influential guy, Akira Kurosawa. He he really is. Well, this film, um, to say it's, it's this is one of his color films. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous fabulous really really colorful films and it was funny enough you should say about um george lucas because george lucas and francis ford coppola actually put up some of the finance for this film oh yeah yeah to make it um oh sorry this is one of the films that he made later in his career yeah because because i know that he by the time he got to a point where he was no longer the darling of, darling, of, yep. of japanese cinema he was actually struggling to get any money to make films exactly right but because yep. he'd like influenced all these people like ford coppola and lucas and spielberg and they loved him so yeah I, i've heard about yeah, this yeah, like, yeah. he put yeah. the money up for them they, they gave him the money to make this film to make this film all right yeah, yeah. so um i'll tell you about the basic story is uh Basically, what it is is there's this um, samurai warlord who's like uh, just got the one of the best clans ever, um, but he ha- has an accident and he actually dies. So they find this lookalike, a remarkable, remarkable lookalike, who's just a thief, just a common thief, and they train him like the the, the advisors and stuff. They train him mm-hmm. to be the lord, Lord Shingen, mm-hmm. and um, he has to. Being imper- he has to impersonate this role because yeah. so everybody believes him, and there's some that are suspicious and all that, and uh, and they all come in. But the, the, there's a really really interesting bit where he has to see his grandchildren, and his grandchildren come in, and they, he's looking at his grandchildren. They go, he goes, "You're not my grandfather," like that, and you know, you know, like Japanese cinema is everybody like tenses up and thinks, yeah, "What's going to yeah. happen here?" But he manages this this thief manages to make a little joke, and he goes, "Of course I'm not," and. Um, sort of wink at him yeah and he gets away with it yeah 
and then he has to so all his all his soldiers all the soldiers they all believe it's him for a while mm -hmm. even though he makes a couple of slip ups there's one where he gets a little bit too big fabulous scene all his the army's all lined up and he's on a horse and all of a sudden he gets a bit too big for his boots and yeah decides he's going to take off and he starts galloping and like oh no. <laughs> and then as it is he falls off his horse but the army haven't seen that so he gets away with that one yeah but finally what happens is obviously he's got some concubines some wives and that and they want to you know he sort of gets a little bit carried away <laughs> and then all of a sudden one of them says oh he hasn't got the the scars this isn't lord shingen and all yeah. that so basically he's like ostracized and he's he's kicked out in the end and um the 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 army goes to his son who's just like totally totally reckless and the, the final scene which has gone down as one of the best scenes ever he just practically his son actually destroys his whole army basically he sends his, the whole army in against another clan which mm -hmm. have all got guns mm -hmm. and it's just wiped out and the final scene is just like well it's just amazing it's just it's spectacular it's like it's like paintings it's like portraits it's oh just... oh so oh was it so was it was it one of these things because I know that there are a couple of films that made about when the sort of like the the industrial revolution was taking over Japan. So you have because I know Kurosawa, he a lot of his films are about samurais, about like in the ancient Japanese yeah, yeah, warriors. Yeah, and I know that he had that was that was a big theme, a big motif for him. Yeah, because I know he was actually from a samurai clan, and because they they tended to be essentially the posh people of Japan, and they treated everybody else badly. Badly. So a lot right. a lot of the films that he made, he, it's kind of like he's apologizing for it, but it's, it looks like he's also doing like this is like a changing from the old way of doing things to now we have guns and all that kind of stuff is coming in. I, I understand what you're saying, but this isn't, this takes, this, this takes place in, um, still in the 15th century and they're only, oh, right, they're okay. still matchlock guns. So they're only like single shot. Um, but, very, but once, one side has guns and the other one doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. Basically. Okay, cool. Gotcha. Um, and this is a theme. I mean, maybe we'd talk, I think a little bit on, we we'll talk more about the Western influence mm -hmm, exception, mm -hmm. but, um, basically in a lot of his films, there is this theme that, I mean, the Seven Samurai, if we went back to the Seven Samurai, mm -hmm. which is what the Magnificent Seven is based on, yeah. all of the samurais that get killed, because the bandits have got three guns, yeah. all of the samurai that are killed in the film are all killed by guns, yeah. none by swords. Yeah. So it's all like that, you know, like you're saying, the theme of... of is it the theme of like modernity is going to yeah. destroy yeah. this tradition? Exactly yeah. right. So, um, yeah. But the, the film... It's just, I mean, some of the set pieces and the extras, you know, we're talking thousands and you've got all these different colours, masses and masses of colours with soldiers, with, with flags up their back, all different colours, red ones, blue ones. It's just, mm. it's almost like, um, you know. A feast for the eye. It is a real feast for the eye. And I guess this was a, um, a precursor of a film, another another major film which was made in '85 called Ran, which was based yeah, yeah. on yeah, yeah, another Kurosawa another Kurosa one. Whoa, yeah. and that these films, if you like action and you like color, mm. they're just uh, you you really really need to see these subtitles or not. They're they're, they're marvelous marvelous films. So. Okay, all right, we'll come back in a second and we will talk a little bit more about some more Kurosawa movies. But first of all, here is the finale theme from Kagamusha by Shin Shin Ichiro Kebe. Enjoy.
Hello there. That was um, that 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 piece of music uh, really stirred memories. That's like the uh, the final scene where the thief who's who's been outcast. He's watched all this all this this huge battle take place, and practically the whole of Shingen's clan destroyed. And he just wanders through, and it's a slow motion shot, and it's just like a scene of carnage, something like out of Guernica. It's just like horses. Um, men just all lie down. He's just wandering through them, just thinking. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good scene that that actually stirred some uh, some memories. That piece of music. Thanks for that, Tony. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. It's my pleasure, man. It's a brilliant piece of music because even without knowing what I haven't seen Kagamusha, but even without you, you start it builds pictures in your head mm. of what is happening. You, you just think landscape. Yeah, that's the first sure. thing that comes to my mind but I just wanted to have a really quick sort of whistle stop tour through some yeah. of some of Kurosawa's other movies because he's one of these guys who I think when you talk about proper influential he's the kind of person who has influenced something that you have seen but you don't actually realize that this is it so if you've ever seen any one of these films that is told from like okay, many different perspectives well there's there's a, a couple of films we'll talk about a couple of films correctly but there's one called Yojimbo yeah, which yeah, yeah. is full of dollars it's yeah. based on where he's like a samurai and, and he plays the two sides off which again a bit later on with Bruce Willis Last Man oh, Standing Last Man Standing yeah, yeah the yeah, Walter yeah. Hill movie so, yeah. so it influenced those two movies um, and, and they're great movies Yojimbo if you get a chance to see Yojimbo and yeah. that reminds me even there's a scene in Star Wars I don't know if you know in Star Wars where they're in the bar and he says he says he doesn't like you. I don't, I don't like, like you, you either. either. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be careful. I'm wanted. Well, there's a scene in that where he marches up and like there's all these criminals and they go, "Hey, do you know who I am? I'm a, like a major criminal." And he just sort of chops their arms off, you know. Oh and, yeah, and yeah. Sort of. So yeah, so that, that that's that, like a Star Wars Star Wars homage. So so, <laughs> so, so yeah, so 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 lots and lots of influence. Obviously, Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai, um, and uh, yeah, and I think also so like because he he act, he was. He did a lot of work with uh, an actor called Toshiro Mufune, yeah, who yeah. was kind of like it was kind of like a uh, almost like a De Niro Scorsese, yeah. John. Is it which which John directed um, John Wayne a lot? John Ford. John Ford. John yeah. Ford. John Wayne. It was kind of like one of those things yeah, where yeah, yeah. like they just worked together a lot, and it seemed like each time they came together, magic happened. Yeah. I, th- I think Toshiro Mufune was probably uh, the best known to the West as well. He was yeah, the best because he was in a lot of Western. Um, a lot of Western. Yeah, he's got quite a strong presence films. and a strong yeah, yeah, face, yeah. isn't he? A strong look yeah. about him. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah, he's not cre- he's not scared of going crazy. He's not. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and also I wanted to mention Rashomon. Rashomon. Yeah. Rashomon. So if you've ever seen a film, I think um, the one that comes to mind is one called Vantage Point, where yeah. people are in Barcelona and it's all about who's trying to kill an American president, and it's told from about eight different perspectives, perspectives yeah. and yeah. you get to see oh what the person in the crowd saw you get to see what the assassins saw what the presidents themselves saw what the CIA agents saw all that and it doesn't actually come to, it's not towards the end that you find out what's actually going on what, what's, what's the actually truth. happened yeah and this happens it's done in so many different TV shows and it's an effect called the Rashomon effect the Rashomon effect which is named after this movie Rashomon made by Kurosawa because it's like he I think he probably wasn't the first to do it but it was the biggest profile one of the best examples of how to do this and ever since then it's just been used over and over again every single time i think every major american tv show has at least one episode that's a rashomon episode one episode yeah it does these days <laughs> yeah. it does dif- from different angles um but it's quite funny because kurosawa a lot of his films were, were influenced by macbeth macbeth oh stories. yeah 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 i mean throne of blood uh, is, is macbeth to a t and there's yeah. a fantastic scene at the end and 
and Ran. Ran is King Lear. Is King Lear. And so Shakespearean influences so all over. It just shows you, yeah. So Shakespeare influences and then Kurosawa influences on Western cinema. Yes. Yeah. I, I think all these sort of art, art forms sort of feed off each other, don't they? Yeah. Because one of the films I'm going to talk about later is, is based on a novel. And so it's like the written word, the performed word on stage. Yeah. Yeah, uh, screen. It, they all influence each other. Then it sort of goes round again that these films then influence books that you read. Yeah, because they just they just feed off each other, don't they? Yeah, I, I think um, one of the craziest ones is that like, you know Japanese movies, the samurai movies, they influence westerns quite a bit. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And so you ended up with the westerns being influenced by Japanese movies, and then you end up with at the end towards the end of the westerns, well, you had Clint Eastwood who was one of the big stars. Then he made Unforgiven, which is kind of like breaking down westerns, saying yeah. this is actually what it really was They're like. Trying to demystify. Them, to, they? Yeah, to mis- to demystify the westerns, and then eventually there's a Japanese language remake of Unforgiven. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like it's kind of like whoa, 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 what? What's going on? Here? It's like a snake swallowing its tail, isn't yeah. it? it? Just it's continually going round. And next thing you know, that's going to inf- influence a whole bunch of westerns, and it's just going to go or go, yeah, go around again. again. All right, cool. Well, thanks for that, man. Great choice. Great choice. <laughs> and okay, now we go into David, David Butler. So. What happens is before the show, about two hours before we go on air, I walk around the hospital and I find people and ask them two questions. What is the first film you ever saw at the cinema? And what is your favorite, the favorite film you've ever seen at the cinema? Earlier on, I was walking around a pet ward, Alveston, and I bumped into David Butler, a very great man who just could speak about films. Essentially, David, you've got to come on the show. When you get out of the hospital, he says he wants to come in and he actually wants to do a show or stuff like that. Cool. <laughs> Talking about war movies and crime movies yeah. and oh, stuff wonderful. like that. Yeah. That's but, up our street. <laughs> yeah, right up our street. And um, so I spoke to David earlier and this is what David had to say. Films. One is The Cockle Show Heroes, made in the 60s. The uh, Dam Busters and the story of the Cray Brothers. They're three of my favourite ones. I've always liked war films and uh, black and white uh, criminal crime films. And I do like 50s and 60s films. More of, of British films. Michael Caine made a few. Get Carter. Yeah, Get Carter. Marvellous. Seen it ten times. Get Carter. Amazing, amazing film. Absolutely amazing. And all those sort of type of films. And Cockle Sherry Heroes was about a uh, commando unit that when, during the war, Second World War, it went on kayak, on kayaks, and it was trained in Portsmouth. They were trained in Portsmouth. It was an actual true film. They were trained in Portsmouth and, and to blow up the, uh, these uh, French ships in the harbour. With the, with the uh, Cockle Sherry Heroes, uh, it was uh, it was a major who was uh, like seconded to Royal Marine Commandos, and he was like a part-time soldier, and he trained all these men. And at first, they thought he was mad with some of the things they he got them to do. If anybody noticed the the actual kayaks were made and came out of. I don't know what it's called, the area. It's down by the Foy Inn on the island. So there's a lot of things. Oh, Whippingham. Whippingham. Yeah. There's a lot of things, war-wise, that if you look round, was devised on the island. The Dam Busters was about the bouncing bomb. That blew up Germans and uh, Barnes was. 
response was he was the one who devised the bouncing bomb. And that was locally, it was done. So, and also, uh, the, I've been to Thailand and the bridge on the River Kwai, the, what, there's people go on holiday and go to see the bridge on the River Kwai. Well, it was blown up, there's no longer there. I've been on holiday, so I would not go because it's not there. It, blow, it was only, it's, it's a holiday maker's thing. It's the, not the bridge that's there at the moment now is not the actual no. bridge. The, Marie, the commandos blew it up. So they built another bridge just to make... That's it? Just for the tourists. That's it, just for the tourists, you know. Waste of time. The waste... How much it was? It was about... A trip there was... A, when I was in Bangkok, it was about £30 they were charging to go on a coach. And it's not... Because it was... And the man who, who built it, when he realised that the commandos had come, he went mad because he didn't want to blow up and he was screaming and shouting because he'd actually got all these people, these men, who were starving to in a very sad situation to be in, that he couldn't handle it, that they'd built all this bridge, he didn't want to blow it up. Mm. So uh, I don't know his name, I know he's a major, so I don't remember all that. Okay. Yeah. All right, thank you very much. I think I actually catch your name. Uh, David Butler. David. David. If anybody rings up and criticises what I'm going to say... <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure nobody would dare, David. I'm sure <laughs> <nobody> would dare. <laughs> we don't do phone-ins uh, yeah. for that reason. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, we well, we people calling. We just haven't figured out how the phones work yet. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, but David, this is just for you because you you spoke about it so lovingly and with so much passion. We've got you the theme for the Cockle Shell Heroes here to play. Please enjoy this, and we'll be back in a second. Excellent. Now that's a theme. That that's is a theme. cracking, isn't it? You can you can hear that the military in there, and you can hear the slightly the mad element in there, and mm -hmm. it's the whole film compressed into that piece of music, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, duh. madness and military and daring do and that's pathos, it. yep. and it's all there. Heroism. <laughs> this um, yes, this this, this <laughs> is a good choice. This is uh, I must admit, Cockle Show here is good movie, um, and. Uh, Basically, it always it reminds me a little bit, a tiny little bit of a, a mild dirty dozen because a lot of the characters, oh, yeah. the marine marine commandos, they're very uh, they're sort of odd bods and a bit incorrigible and and so there's lots of sort of comic moments in it, which yeah. which is great. But in the end, obviously, they're like, ooh, they're all a bit skeptical about this. You know what's going on, and. Um, yeah, or is yeah. that is that what David was saying about the major comes in and he has all these sort of like ways of doing yeah, things that they're not sure about? They're not sure. Or they're like, oh, what's is going on here? Is that Trevor Howard? Uh, yeah. He's one. Of, he's Jose Ferrer. Jose Ferrer. Yeah. He's so. an interesting choice for that role. I wouldn't have put him as. No. As a. Well, he he directed the film, which is probably why he gave himself that role. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. This was quite interesting. Um, the Warwick Film Company, British Film Company. Yeah. This was their first film that was shot in Cinemascope. Oh. Um, so Cinemascope, lovely yeah. scene. So a little bit of trivia there. They obviously. It was quite expensive film for the time as well. It cost quite a lot of money. So maybe they needed a bigger name then too. Yeah. To headline, so they probably did, yeah. But um, you know, it's oh, this is a great action movie. Um, was it who was it was saying about the oh the chap was saying about yeah the, David yeah David. David sorry David yeah <laughs> David you were saying about the the kayaks were made on the Isle of Wight. Well, yeah. it's quite interesting because one of the shots in the film I was just looking here and um, was actually shot in South Sea. So the, oh, yeah. the like, like one of the scenes in the opening was shot in the barracks was shot in South Sea. Yeah, because he said that they were based in Portsmouth. Like Portsmouth, the, the, yeah, It's yeah. because it's based on a real, real actual operation it that is, happened. Yeah. yeah. 
the actual river though, the actual film part of it was all the filming was done in Portugal. So oh. that's that, that's where it was filmed, and the Portuguese government said, "Yeah, that was fine," but they would have to do a documentary about Portugal, which and Trevor Harrod Harrod narrated it. So Trevor Harrod narrated the 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 documentary about Portugal, and then they could film film the I think it's a Tagus River in in yeah. Portugal, which uh, they they used to do the filming. Yeah, and for the German boats, which were supposed to be in Bordeaux, um, they were crewed by um, British Navy. All right, actual actual. British Navy sailors to uh, yeah so uh, you know it's a real good exciting fi- in fact there's all those war films he's mentioned Dan Buster's yeah. nice action films you know it's uh, uh, Six Feet Free Squad and all yeah. them he's uh, right out my there street was that, really. there was a period wasn't there in the sort of late 50s and the 60s where they where Britain tried to get hold of their sort of military past and make their films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think they, yeah. you know, well, that's when you get a hold of There's a whole line yeah. of great sort of war films made. There's lines, yeah, in which we serve, you know, um, just... Cruelty. Yeah, 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 Cruelty. Yeah, yeah there's, there's the bridge, uh, bridge on the River Kwai. Bridge on yeah. the River Kwai, yeah. Dean, now, it? everybody loves that, and, and Joe, sorry, Joe, but I... I I mean, it's okay, but I think... I don't think it's historically accurate, but I think it's... It's not one of my... I mean, it's okay, but it's not one that I would, like, rave about, really. And everybody loves it, and I guess I'm a... I like the film, but I don't think it's historically accurate. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think with the whole River Kwai situation, there's a whole bunch of, like... Apparently, the bridge that they actually... The river they built the bridge on wasn't actually the Kwai. No. No, it's a a tributary of the Kwai, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but just the... the, And doesn't Kwai mean river? So it's like river, river? (laughs) Or something? It's something like that. It's things like that. And it's... It's like what David was saying as well. I mean, how it became such a tourist thing that people would go to Thailand to go to the River Kwai to see this bridge. Sure. Even though I think even in the film it shows you that the the bridge was Actually, like destroyed. destroyed yeah. 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 Even though even though it shows you that people would still go to go see this bridge. I think uh, there's so, only so, a small part of the railway still exists, doesn't it? I know they they have part of the railway that those the prisoners of war and the the, the enslaved labour would you built, but yeah. I don't think the whole thing that they built is still there oh, it, there's it, only small sections it isn't there existing. but what the Thai government did was that they did, they said we're not missing a trick and they thought everybody keeps coming here to see this bridge yeah. so, they, so they built a bridge, they, a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> they built a bridge people, <laughs> people come I want to go see the bridge of the river Kwai there it is yeah. <laughs> it's a bridge on the river Kwai it's not the bridge I <laughs> oh, just, yeah. just 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 that mention David mentioned Get Carter and um I just wondered if you'd seen the remake with Sylvester oh. Stallone. <laughs> so I mean, I know we, we talk about remakes, remakes, but the, 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 I mean, I mean, the original film. Well, Michael Caine was great in those um, those old sixties films. Yeah, the Crestfile. But, you know, yeah, the all the Harry Palmer well. movies yeah. and stuff like oh. that. Stuff. Italian Job. Yeah, yeah. Italian. yeah. But uh, Zulu. Zulu. I've mentioned that before. <laughs> <Alf>. <laughs> yeah. There's Alfie, that great war film. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that was we remade, wasn't it? Anyway, let's go back to war film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I was just looking at the Sylvester Stallone thing. I think he should probably. I think Sylvester Stallone mixing with things that were originally British is a bad idea. Yeah, That's it doesn't any- seem to work, does it? Anybody who's seen Judge Dredd. Yeah. This, the 1980, 1995 version will attest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like to forget that happened. <laughs> I like to think I just dreamt yeah. that and I, it didn't exist, really. It's, it's quite interesting, again, going off a little bit of a tangent, is um, one of the actors in Cockleshell Heroes, David Lodge, and, and probably some people aren't familiar with the name, but you'd recognise him from... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's still around now, but everybody would recognise him because he was on Amer- uh, on British TV quite a lot and a lot of oh, TV yeah? programmes. And he's got that down as that was like... It's the the best thing he'd ever done, the favourite movie he'd ever done. Mm. And and it 
was really popular in America as well. Mm. Really popular film in America. So yeah, so it worked on all levels. Yeah, because it, it's. It, it, I have to say, when I heard the just the basic story of it, I was thinking Dirty Dozen. I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also been like Dirty Dozen, but like yeah. British, so definitely, British, yeah, yeah. therefore better. <laughs> but, I don't think you can knock the dirty dozen that's a good movie too <laughs> alright cool so we, we seem to be going on a little bit of a war movie thing today it's like I know sometimes it seems like we planned these things but uh, I'll say we did but we didn't we didn't actually plan yeah, this yeah no we really don't we really, really don't plan them. we just sort of pick these things and we go oh look at that it's, it's all yeah, kind of connected yes uh, so Sharon, first of all, David, thank you very much for all your choices, and please do give me a call. Let's get you on air, and let's get let's do some other sort of shows with you and your wealth of knowledge. And uh, Sharon, you pick a second pick this movie of a yeah. film that okay, everybody watch this film. So yeah, it's another. Again, uh, looking at this list of films I've jotted down here, well, last no, two years ago, I bought a, a box set of books, all based on British war films, and I thought I'm going to read the books and see how true they are to the events. And I'll read you some of the titles. And I'll, the last one is the film I'm going to talk about today. But I read the story behind the Dirty Dozen, the novelisation of that. Which is, I guess yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Is, is this a novelization of the film or is this no, like the, a the, factual book? The, it's, a, it's a novel that the film was based upon. Okay, cool, gotcha. The novel came first. All right. And so there's quite a bit different, but it, you can see the, the genesis of the Dirty Dozen that we know is in there. There were and 12 then people. Also, yeah, <laughs> there were 12 guys, yeah, these convicty guys. Then I also read the, the story of The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a great war film, but based on these, these real events even if they're slightly changed. And I also read a book called The Night of the Generals, which is, again, a, f- a film that was that's, made in the 60s. That that's a good film. Good yeah. film. Peter O'Toole, yeah? Peter O'Toole. So great film. That's we'll have watching. to explore these another time. But then the last one I read, um, because I loved the film so much, I thought, I'm going to have to read the book, see if it's as good as the, the film. And that's Ice Cold and Alex. And that is my pick for this oh. week, Ice Cold and Alex with John Mills, that was actually made in one of these sort of, you know, Ballapock eras of the British war film of 1958. Mm. And the basic story is, it's uh, the, the, prim- the, prim- the principal character is John Mills, who's this slightly burnt out um, army officer. He's been in North Africa for most of the war around, he's been in Tobruk, Mm-hmm. Which is in modern Libya, isn't it? Yeah, I do not actually know. My memory serves. Yeah. Yeah. In modern Chase, Libya, yeah. so a topical part of the world still. Changed hands a lot of times. Yeah, lot of lots on, of instability I mean, in that country, isn't there? A lot of Australians years. involved there. They held it up for a long time. Really? So, you know, yeah. the anniversary of Gallipoli Day. Yeah, Australians took it, Germans took it, and then they took it back again. Mm-hmm. It was like the major port of it's, supplies. Major yeah. battles in Tobruk, and there so you get the feeling that John Mills, he'd been in this part of the world for a number of you know, through there's the heavy fighting and the siege of Tobruk, and the siege of Tobruk has been lifted, and he's been detailed with a with a group of other of, of sort of troops to to move out of Tobruk to go to Alexandria to sort of evacuate some hosp- uh, some nurses who are in the, the local Lyman hospital, and to get across the desert. To, to Alexandria in Egypt. To Alexandria in okay. Egypt, yeah, which is a major British port, which yeah. was regarded as being, you know, completely defensible, so that it was, you know... Safe. Not, it's safe, a safe yeah. place. And they were going to take some of these nurses and people who'd been through some of the, the heavy fighting uh, out of this war zone. And so John Mills is in charge of this company, Mentico, and they get strafed by these sort of German pilots. And they end up, just a handful of them left, in this old ambulance, one of these... I mean, my brother's works at patient transport in the hospital and they call their ambulance the Jumbulance mm. because it's just a big old beast. And you get the impression that this is the, the Jumbulance was going trying to get this across the desert. Yeah. And you've got these two nurses 
and they meet this South African soldier and then you've got the, the, the stalwart sergeant who's like, you know, reliable and completely. And then you've got this slightly burnt out, frazzled sergeant, mm-hmm. the other captain and John Mills. And so, yeah, the, the, the film takes you across the desert and all the different adventures on the way. And all there's right. a bit of romance, there's a bit of danger, there's a bit of, you know, espionage. Okay, cool. We'll, uh, we shall, uh, we'll, we'll continue talking about that in a second after we've played the, the next in our series, in our sort of like impromptu series of, of great war movie themes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and that is the main theme from the opening of Ice Cold in Alex. So, um, Sharon, you were talking about all the things that they go through. So, what yeah, are there's these wonderful set pieces throughout the film. These moments of drama and tension and. So, is it mainly them getting chased, or is it just like the the desert being the desert and trying to kill them? Yeah, I think it's the the desert is the foe in this film, with um, the Germans thrown in for extra sort of spice, really. But yeah, it's getting this unwieldy beast across the desert in all its different terrains you've got the rocky bits so you're in danger you know it's no you and then there's the sandy bits and then there's where they're it's like a quicksand type area but one of the great set pieces of film is where they're trying to get this the ambulance up this dune and it just won't drive because you just can't get the traction you can't drive it up these dunes so they decide to like crank it up the hill by using like the I don't know how I don't know how it works mechanically, but it's a crank that basically turns the wheels like one turn at a time. Oh yeah. And they you see them sort of like cranking each taking a turn and cranking this ambulance inch by inch up the hill. And they just get to the top and one of the people who is on it's their turn at the crank, they think that the, the, the ambulance is stable and she's just rests her hands for a second and that second is enough for it to start you know, sort of cranking backwards, and once it starts its momentum to go backwards, mm. back down the hill, you can't stop it. And so, after spent hours upon hours in this scorching heat, cranking this ambulance up this dune, they see it all like disappear in a minute as this ambulance goes crashing down again, and they have to start all over again. So this amazing set piece. But the the story, Ice Cold and Alex, is they when they when they're on this journey. They sort of begin to confide in each other and they say, you know, what are you going to do when we get through all this, when you get to Alexandria? And they say, you know, the what the, the captain, John Mills, says, you know, the one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk straight into this bar and I'm going to order a pint of the coldest lager in Alexandria and I'm going to run my finger down the side of the glass and so you can see that drip of ice on the outside. Yeah. And that's the image that keeps him going. And then and then there's the classic scene that's been used in advertising, it's been yeah, used yeah. in He's like Carlsberg. Yeah, yeah. Carlsberg used it and you it. see what? them with the glass and you see them, yeah, him like run his finger down the side of the glass. And even though I don't drink, you you, you start to go, oh, that bit. <laughs> it does, it's refreshing. Yeah. I think it's, I've seen that scene. That has got to be the most lovingly filmed pint of beer uh, in history. But you can see Everybody's them watching towards it, yeah, leaning towards it, it and like licking their lips. Ready yeah, because mm-hmm. the funny thing is that they all have their own pints in front of him, but they're just sort of like looking at they're his. They're looking at his. And then he downs it in one. Yeah, and it's just like. <laughs> worth waiting for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But throughout the film, yeah, there are these different. Mm. There's sort of you, these these heightened moments of tension, and then you've got the sort of this light moments as well. And I, I I think there's some great performances. And if you have a look at um, I mean, Anthony Quayle who plays the the South African, and you've got Harry Andrews, and you've got all those stop guys. And funnily enough, yeah. I mentioned David Lodge earlier, and yeah. I've just seen David Lodge was in this film, the was guy who's in Cockleshell Hero. So yeah, and uh, so yeah, so there's an interesting thing. 
But uh, yeah, he's he's quite small, isn't he? John Mills is quite a yeah. small actor, and yet he's up against these big guys. But he still like holds his own. You think you he, know, he does have a presence about yeah, him, doesn't presence. he? That's it. He's a curiosity, really, isn't he, for John Mills? Why he's 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 such a British leading man, isn't he? Because he isn't the most handsome. He isn't wasn't the tall. He wasn't the big matinee idol. Mm. But he carried films like yeah. no one other in that in for like twenty, thirty years from. His yeah. great expectation days when he was like Pip, mm. right through to mm. when he was a middle-aged man, he carried these well, that, great, great films. The other war movie that David mentioned, Dunkirk, was um, yeah. he's he's he in that and he it. leads a little, <laughs> you know, leads a little gang of men, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. yeah so and then yeah, he's he small was in, of stature. Yeah, he's in he men. wasn't a, yeah, yeah. a great big guy. No, no, yeah, it's great. And uh, but I mean the performance as well. And Sylvia Sims, I had a bit of a crush on her. I remember seeing it when I was quite young. <laughs> she was lovely, yeah, she was quite wasn't hot. She? Yeah, she was quite. There was a bit of a scandal, wasn't there? Because there's a there's a publicity still of her where she's reclining against the sand, and her blouse is unbuttoned. Her uniform shirt is unbuttoned. Oh yeah. And it caused real consternation because it's been unbuttoned. So you can count three buttons have been undone. <laughs> and they were like going, oh, Ooh, yeah, in those you days. can't have three buttons undone. No, that's, that's just like... unseemly. Victorian okay, values. Okay. <laughs> okay, so because she's an army nurse, you know, yeah. you have to maintain your decorum. And so, so three buttons were undone. It wasn't that the it gone slightly open and the camera could see like. Well, she's like reclining, and so her the shirt is open, and she's leaning back, and yeah, you can just see this align. And you know, it's, it's so, not revealing in any by any means. You just so, see her neck. So you see a patch of neck. Yeah, yeah. All but right. the suggestion <laughs> is, you know, that her button was unblouse. Uh, uh, her blouse was unbuttoned. So. What, what was she doing? What was she exactly. doing? Who unbuttoned it? Exactly. <laughs> there was that suggestion of all unseemliness. Oh, the past. But the, this, uh, the, the fun thing for me is having read the the, the book, the, the, all the characters are completely wrong <laughs> from the book to the film. Oh, yeah? The, John Mills' character is not the hero in the book. The sergeant is the hero in the book. And it's the sergeant who gets the girl in the book, not the John Mills character. The burnt-out, frazzled, slightly drunk captain, <laughs> he's he's not the hero. He's an, almost an, a, a figure of sympathy. Whereas the stalwart, strong, strapping captain is a reliable one. He's the one who gets engaged to the nurse at the end of the book. Well, we, maybe we should have put a warning, a warning going. Mm. If you if you love Ice Cold in Alex, we might be destroying something. <laughs> so, so, but it's so, a great film and a great book, but, but they're yeah. just separate entities, well, as we so often find. Don't so, so, I haven't actually read the book, so I, but yeah. I, I know I really enjoyed the film. Yeah. So do they do the, the whole Bond film thing where they just, we'll take the title and not much else? Yeah, there's you, some, some of the key scenes are there, like the bit with the, the truck cranking the truck up the hill is there. Mm -hmm. Crossing this sort of quicksand area mm -hmm. is in there. And um, coming out to Brook, to Brook is in there. And the, the German, South African stroke German spy, yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> in there. So all the characters are there. It's just they all have a different prominence in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the drama. Okay. Now, okay, you guys would know this a bit better than I do, but was there a period of time where there was, uh, th there was this sort of like sub-genre of movie which was getting a vehicle across the desert and things in like the old English empire and things kind of going wrong. Yes, it's but, reminiscent of like the train journey, isn't it? Is it the North by North? Not no, North, North, North West Frontier. Frontier. North West Frontier. Yeah, oh. because, because that's, because that's I saw, a train, isn't it? Yeah, I saw this on TV the other day that's and movie, the things that you're talking about Ice Cold and like Alex. It's Kenneth Moore. It's Kenneth Moore, Lauren Bacall. Yeah, Lauren yeah. yeah, and it's and the, the things you were saying because I know there's a bit where they come and they're like the, tr the track isn't, is like being yes. destroyed and they have to take the track from behind the train yeah, and move it to the front and while they're doing that they have all 
these sort of like invaders coming yeah. in and they have to like go this far and it's and they have they have a spy on the on the on the train as well Lom. yeah herbert Lom, yeah. who's he like kills the the he wants to yeah he, he's yeah. like he, he like he wants to kill everybody yeah yeah, yeah yeah because he's like he's supposed to be half indian and half was it german or something like but yes he's it, a tor- is to torn her mixed heritage yeah he it? was mixed heritage and he, he hated the british essentially yeah. i wanted to just that was a top movie that's i think i might have to think of doing that i think i might have to do it yeah because oh, when, you, when you said ice cold in alex the first thing i was like northwest frontier this was this like a sub genre where they were like let's try and get so they've got they've done a train they i guess you got the plane in the desert that's flight of the phoenix flight flight of the Fe- phoenix. yeah it's yeah. another one Ooh. again it's like a mixed ensemble of people isn't it they're people who wouldn't necessarily be together but they're drawn together by circumstances and they're put through these extreme yeah um this crucible yeah. of of you know Okay, so, events. so we have a vehicle across the desert, we have a train across the desert, we have a plane trying to get out of a desert. So now next week we need to find a boat trying oh, to get, I'm trying sure to get a, bo- one. Well, a boat always, in the yeah. desert. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence of Arabia. It's uh, a camel, but that's the boat. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> the camel, Isn't that the boat of the desert yeah, or yeah. something? Yeah. There's, there's got to be a boat, I don't know. <coughs> there was a boat in Lawrence of Arabia. Queen. The African Queen. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Work as British. no, I know. So about, um, that's getting I'll a boat up, up a river. No, yeah, Bit of yeah. An adventure. We, we got to look at this because I'm beginning to think that this might have been around about the sort of 60s, 70s. This might have been a little of a sub genre of things. Of what, like a well, well, there's a lot of movies yeah, that doing... it's like an exhibition. I mean, like an expedition or, or, or you know, I mean, like Lord of the Rings type of thing. That's basically a journey, isn't it? It's all, oh, yeah, all yeah. a journey somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the, many films have got a journey. Uh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll rack our brains if yeah, we will. We'll think, think, think of something yeah. else yeah, yeah. across the desert, the across the desert series. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, every week we have okay. The show's called "They Don't Make Them Like They Used To," and every week we have something which we call the exception to the rule, which is we think there've got to be a couple of films made since 1980s that are at least halfway decent and can stand up to some of the films, some of the classics made before 1980. So Sean usually picks these for us. And Sean, what have you picked for us this week? Okay, well, um, along the samurai theme, uh, the Tom Cruise film, The Last Samurai, I think deserves a mention because, again, it's really, really... I'm sure we've all seen that. Yes. Um, And spectacular scenes, great acting, except for there's only one thing in it that spoils it for me but uh <laughs> that one I, I, I won't tell you that as a certain actor that i just think totally oh, spoils the film oh it's gotta be billy else. Connolly. He just oh. doesn't work <laughs> i said that in 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 the hobbit it just totally totally spoils everything you, when he's you, in the film. you and your billy Connolly. Phobia. i know i know so i can't mention that but yeah um the last I samurai he was in it to be honest with you yeah, he is. He's like the 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 aide to the aid Tom to Cruise, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Scotch accent. Yeah, that just doesn't work. Um, but but this the, again, terrific battle scene at the end, like similar to uh, similar to, yeah, 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 where yeah. they where they come on, they all got they yeah. all got cut down, cut down by a Gatling gun, don't they? Gatling gun, yeah. cannons, all modern stuff. You know, on that last charge, that is very, very yeah. reminiscent of Kagamusha. Because mm. um, it's East Beach West as well, isn't it? He's a soldier from the American Civil American War, Civil War yeah. who's now gone to War Japan Indians, and yeah. he's meeting this sort of the Eastern way of warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Bushido honor and all that, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he's being sort of like, you know, integrated into the Japanese society, Japanese society and everything. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you should talk about Billy Connolly ruining it for you because my brother, my brother absolutely. He really, really does not like Tom Cruise. Right. Okay. <laughs> My brother really That's fair, like, dude. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't like advocate. Tom Cruise. I don't okay. think he's alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he sort of says, he, he says this thing that every, every single time I mean, my brother Shola, he always says, 
He always says, the problem with Tom Cruise is that he's always the hero. It doesn't matter what film he is. He's always going to save the world. He's always going to be the guy who saves the world. And the problem he has, because you have this massive thing where you have essentially the samurais. They do this charge towards the enemy. And so it's like the scene where they're all on the horses and they're all going down there. And then they sort of unveil the Gatling gun and they just start mowing them down. And he's like, and my brother's like, how does he survive that? Yeah, yeah, no, I can understand that. <laughs> he's like, that's like, he's, yeah. it's like yeah. this gun comes out and it mows everybody down. All the other samurais go, all the Japanese people get killed. The horses, the horses get killed. The horse he's riding on gets killed. But he survives. How does he survive? So my, so my brother, I think he liked the film. But I think that was the beginning of his, that was probably the last Tom Cruise movie that he watched that he thought, yeah, that was okay. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think after that he went, no, I, I can't do it. This guy always survives, always yeah. saves the world. It's I, a bit stupid. I think with Tom Cruise movies, He's, he's hot and cold he's like because um, I mean there are some Tom Cruise movies I love and some that uh, yeah lead a lot more to be desired really but yeah. um, I think sometimes you watch his films in be, not because he's in, in them it. but you think <laughs> I'll watch it because I think the film's like it's good mm. and so it's like despite the fact that Tom Cruise is in it I'm going to go thank see you, it thank you Sharon yeah so if Tom so, Cruise Billy Connolly weren't in it it would have just been a terrific film on its yeah. own of like just seeing the samurai <laughs> yeah so you, sometimes I have to go Oh, because I mean that samurai way of life I, I, I remember there's one scene which I really really like where there's a young lad and they the the people cut off his little because they have like a oh yeah those, the, the, the hair top knot thing. yeah top knot thing and, and the, actually, that's like that's their honour that's their honour and they yeah. go and they actually cut it off and, and that's very Game of Thrones isn't it at the moment the Dothraki yeah. they yeah. have their hair in a braid and if you you get it cut if you get defeated in battle mm. and it's a great sign of honour that if your hair has not been cut yeah. So obviously they've picked up on that in the in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, because there, there's actually there's a scene in Seven Samurai as well where where they do like at the beginning the the lead samurai they, yeah. where where he he essentially cuts his own hair off because he doesn't want the person in the because he wants to disguise himself. He wants to disguise like, himself yeah, yeah. and doesn't want them to know that it's a that he's a samurai. Mm -hmm. That's like a big moment because oh, yeah. it's like this is his this is his honor. This is his his identity yeah. Yeah. that he's just sort of cutting off. So to say, but it's um yeah and yeah but you were saying the scene with the, with a kid, in this last samurai. Oh, in the last samurai, yeah, because because they want to they they just cut off and they really humiliate him and and he wants to fight but sort of Tom Cruise I remember seems to sort of hold him back for a little bit but then later on in the film, it's it's, it's really funny because I love I love archery and mm -hmm. with the samurai when you look at the samurai films they hold their bow totally different to anything else because they sort of have their arm really out when they when they loose their arrows yeah yeah but there's he he actually they go on a bit of a mission i think in some place and he's actually shoots quite a lot of the 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 yeah. adversaries with with arrows yeah. you know mm. so it's like a reversal on being shot i think it's guns. interesting isn't it almost the the way the japanese culture they've tried to reclaim it because where they had such a hammering in the war and mm -hmm. because of the, the way obviously the japanese conducted themselves during the war and the, a lot of these post-war films where they're trying to say actually there's the, there's an amazing amazing culture there yeah um if you understand the whole bushido thing then you can understand some of the decisions that were made during the war and it reflects you can you can sort of like reclaim that history and say actually they've got an amazing history and we should try to embrace that and value that and share, say that yeah their culture was was fascinating and mm. then it, and i think it's since like people like kiro i can't remember his pronunciation like kiro kurosawa, kurosawa. kurosawa. Yeah. That reinvention of like trying to reclaim that these Japanese from being a defeated people to being a despised people in many ways, mm -hmm. to actually being able to rebuild their culture and re-embrace their culture as a Westerner, saying that they're more than what they did in this one conflict. Yeah. Their history goes back 
centuries and it's been a fascinating and a yeah, it has really. I'm just going to go back to Tom Cruise. History. I might have to agree with your brother because he hasn't made that many good movies. So I've just had a look at a list of them. And the last one, I did really enjoy Edge of Tomorrow. But yeah, none none of the others particularly ever mentioned. What I about quite you, liked Sean? him in Rock Don't of Ages, actually. Rock of Ages, yeah. Because okay. I thought it was... I love musicals anyway. And I was thinking, Tom Cruise and a musical, oh, really? And he was really good in it. He, uh, I, I really like that film. On the, he was brilliant in Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, yeah, he, he was, was in Tropic he was Thunder. Brilliant yeah, in Tropic, he was. Uh, See, I'm not really into comedy, so I haven't seen he's, that. that, uh, that but that's, <laughs> he be, was. that's because many people have watched that film and have walked away not even knowing that Tom Cruise Tom was Cruise. in it. Yeah. He was there. Yeah, because because he's it's so different. It's so <laughs> different from anything he's ever done. It's so really, really good. But I did get my brother to watch Edge of Tomorrow, which I think is a very good, good film. film yeah. I think that's definitely an exception to yeah, the yeah, rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and I think it's a very good film. And... But I think p- part of what um, I sold it to my brother on, and the fact that, and I think that they actually made this a big part of their marketing. <laughs> he gets killed about 50, it's like, 150 times. Yeah, Tom Cruise gets killed about like, you know, 100 times at this point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So you so, should enjoy it. So it's like, anybody who doesn't like Tom Cruise, he gets killed loads. <laughs> Every time he starts moving at you, he's going to get, he's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's, that's another good one. All right. Um, Anyway, thanks so much for being here in the studio. David, thank you for joining us. And we'll look forward to the other ideas and the different things that you're going to do. Until then, well, we pray you convalesce well. I pray everybody in the hospital gets better. You get to go home. You get to get onto the cinema and watch the Avengers or whatever it is that floats your boat. And as you do that, remember that they do not make them like they used to. <laughs>